0: Kevin Monroe, welcoming you to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. It's number 91. That causes me to pause and tell you how grateful I am that you are listening. Whether this is your first conversation or 91st time listening to the podcast, I'm delighted you're joining today's conversation. Now, I have to say something. If you've heard all 91, there should be some kind of merit badge for that. Just know I'm incredibly grateful. You know, and I love hearing from you. And I've had some amazing conversations lately. Well, can I just say I always have amazing conversations? That's just a gift in my life that I'm blessed to enjoy. But Jason, a longtime listener and great friend, labeled episode 89, The Conversation with Mark LeBusque, as life altering. And then that same week, a longtime listener from the Philippines wrote, quote, The greatest takeaway I've ever received from the podcast is how being grateful makes us better and kinder humans, end quote. Wow. Wow. So, you know, the power of connection, conversation and community. That's what fuels me to continue this journey that we share that we call the Higher Purpose Podcast. Now, today, it's the first of many conversations we're exploring under this big topic of employee experience and employee engagement, which, for me, is an extension of the human's first conversations we've been having as of late. And today, we're joined by David New. David is a serial entrepreneur who took a careercation, and you'll hear more about that, and you'll also have the opportunity to snag a free copy of the book he wrote on that journey. He took this career occasion after exiting a startup and before doing the next. He was trying to discover the direction for the next chapter. Now, I love it that this direction, David found this direction through a series of conversations, contemplation and reflection on this part of the journey. And it was more gradual than it was sudden, you know. But it led to the founding of the company he now leads, which is Tiny Pulse. So a serendipitous series of events led to this conversation today. I hope you'll enjoy it. David New, what a delight to welcome you to the Higher Purpose Podcast. We're glad to have you with
1: us today. Thanks a bunch, Kevin. I'm excited as well.
0: Well, yeah, and we've got so much to talk about. You and I were just talking. I mean, this is early conversation in a series of conversations about employee experience, employee engagement, all of this. And there's so much you have to say about that. But before we do any of that, I start every conversation with this. What's something you're grateful for right now in this moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you asked me. I was just on a flight last week when I was having a pretty tough week and I pulled out my journal. And I wrote down things I was grateful for, and I had 29 of them. And the one that I wanted to share is a little bit personal. Mm. I'm grateful for my mom being alive. She's a stage four lung cancer survivor. And oftentimes, our family didn't know if she was going to make it or not. I remember driving her to experimental treatments at MD Anderson because she was in too much pain to fly, Mm. but due to you know, a lot of positive events happening. She got on an experimental treatment and is alive and well. And back to the old mom who didn't pick at me and I actually welcome it versus not having that.
0: Wow. Okay. So that gets emotional for me. You don't know this. You listening may not know this, but this morning I was thinking about it because it's 11 years ago this time that my mother was battling for her life and ended up leaving us. So, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today that, wow, wow. 11 years ago, I was spending seven weeks in and out of six, seven different hospitals and healthcare facilities with my mom. And I wish my mom were still here today. So I miss her. So yeah, I'm grateful for all the time I had with my mom. And I'm really grateful that in those last weeks of her life, I was able to be there as her primary caregiver and have those conversations and share those experiences. So, wow. Wow. Didn't see that coming, but folks, that's what it means to really connect at a human level is to be able to bring all of ourselves to work and to the conversation. And that's what David's company helps do. So I wanna ask you, what's your favorite way of introducing your company, you and the work you do?
1: Sure. So, you know, I would say that at Tiny Pulse, we give our clients a pulse on how happy, frustrated, and burnt out their employees are before they get that surprise two weeks notice out of the blue
0: (laughs) and I love it that the pulse captures the whole range of emotions and experience and whatever's going on in the moment so let's go back you had a unique journey at least from my perspective yeah I know a lot of company founders and I've heard a lot of stories you and I've never had the chance to talk about it before I've heard it before What was the journey that led to the startup of Tiny Pulse?
1: Yeah, so basically I had been a two-time founder of businesses and near the tail end of my second one, I really started getting burnt out at my own startup, which is really odd because a lot of people aspire (laughs) to start their own company. At the same time, I had some big life-changing moments. I got married, had a baby daughter in really quick succession. And I shared with my wife before we got married that one of my dreams in life was to be able to travel and take what I call a career vacation or a career vacation for short. And I just didn't think it made a lot of sense to save up a little bit of wealth, but see our health go down like I've seen in my own family. In 2012, I convinced my wife to sell everything we own stuff the or belongs in a storage unit, and then buy one-way tickets to New Zealand. And uh, we were just going to... And at that time, my daughter, Kira, was 10 months old. So most people said, you're either crazy, or I wish I could do that. <laughs> and I am thinking, I'm probably both. And until that door shut in that ANZ chat, and we were on our way to Auckland. It still felt unreal. Hmm. Then during this career occasion, I had two main goals. One, which is obviously to unplug and connect with my young family, since uh, you know now my daughter's eight and it just goes really, really fast. And then the second goal is I believe that the hard things at work are the soft things, is dealing with people. Mm, mm. So, And I am challenged with that on an ongoing basis. Whenever I think I've got it figured out, something else pops up. So I thought, well, why don't I take this opportunity to figure out wherever I go, I wanted to interview CEOs Mm. about their best practices and pain points so I could learn from them. And they were so inspiring. I started blogging about it, and eventually turned it into a book that is free online and at the end i would ask them these interview questions at the end of every interview i'd ask one simple question i'd say something like hey kevin what's one pain point you have when it comes to managing people that if i took away you gladly paid for it you know different people would give me different responses and i make these mental sticky notes of what they're telling me and only until i got sufficiently far away from seattle above time and distance could i be really really still like no cell phones no emails and say like Are there any themes of what these people are sharing? And there was, that despite how big they were, some were startups, some were publicly traded, despite their location, some were Asian influence, some were Western influence, despite what industry they were in, that the common theme was that haunting feeling when someone gave them their two weeks notice out of the blue. So that became the inspiration for Titan Pulse, is I do believe that there's a new generation of leaders who really do care about how happy, frustrated, and burnt out their employees are, but they're saddled with these antiquated tools, which are these big pulses that happen once a year. And I used to work at Anderson Consulting when it was called Anderson Consulting. We get this big pulse in December, answer 50 questions, and then the managing partner at the summer picnic would say, thank you, here's what we're going to do, two things we're going to do about it. I'm like, what? I give all (laughs) that feedback and nothing happened. So we flip it on its head and we drip out lightweight questions throughout the year so that leaders can get on top of issues ahead of time and try to resolve them collaboratively before they spin out of control.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. There's so much there and we're just going to start and we'll follow some threads and see where they go. One of these, I think you said like do the survey in December mm-hmm. and then at the summer picnic, talk about it. Too far removed, right? What was that survey? I don't even remember the questions they asked. So exactly. Talk about that some.
1: Yeah. You know, and. Despite having a poor taste in my mouth and my first couple companies, me and my co-founder, we did the same thing. Hmm. We sit in a conference room with probably some pizza and beer in December and say, we don't know why we should do this, but we should probably do a company survey, see how the people are feeling. And then we would get these responses. And if it was like a 7.4, we were like, well, we don't know if that's good or bad. Oh, nines or tens are good. Ones and twos are bad. And then we kind of prioritize a few things and we share it back and it was just rinse or repeat. So you know, even though it left an unsatisfactory taste in my mouth, I saw myself doing the same thing in my first two companies. So I really did think that it's probably time that, that, one, there's a demand based upon the people I was interviewing. And I think, two, is there just had to be, you know, with software, you know, is there a better way we can do this? That became the kind of the seed of Tiny Pulse.
0: So had you had heard of this somewhere else or where did this idea just pop from that rather than doing this once a year and doing, you know, the big kahuna, 50 questions, what if we just ask one, two or three questions or how did the dots connect?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the first thing was just the problem set is like, I just want to understand, are these people facing the same issues that I was? Or, you know, was I just in left field and I was just missing something? And when it was clear that there's some similar trends, regardless of geography or industry, then it's like, well, what can we do? And I think from my experience in the past that when people start surveys, they start very well-intentioned. They ask one question or two questions. Then finance wants to ask a couple questions. Then marketing wants to ask a couple <laughs> questions. Then CEO wants to ask a couple questions. Then it becomes a franken-survey because like every data point may disconnect with another one. So then at the very beginning of time pulse, we just said, you know what? It's only gonna be one question. You can never ask any more questions, so we avoided that. And then the ancillary benefit that we saw from it is if I'm asking one simple question, like how happy are you at work? it's easier for me as the management to also understand, well, what's going on versus asking 30 questions or 18 questions. And then there's so much noise. If I ask one question, it's also easier for me to find themes and actually do something about it. So that's the idea was like, Hmm. you know, we had to constrain it because people had a good interest to want to know more, but they were actually probably stumbling on their own feet. And so let's just ask one question at a time.
0: Hmm. Okay, and you started Tiny Pulse when then two thousand twelve. You do the careercation.
1: Yeah, so we left in February two thousand twelve, and then we came back in August ish. Like I, you know, Seattle's beautiful during the summer, and then I started hacking away with it with a developer, and we launched it to beta in September of two
0: thousand twelve. Okay, wow, that was quick. Yeah. Will you share a couple of highlights or personal milestones that you've enjoyed since that time in September two thousand twelve? So, what six plus years, going on seven?
1: Yeah, I'll share one that just happened a couple weeks ago. Is there's a fast growing gym workout chain called Orange Theory Fitness? Yeah. So they contacted us through a referral, and I got to meet the CEO, Paul. And so we started working with them and I was like really surprised. Like I thought that the traditional companies that would work with Tiny Pulse are like, you know, some of our clients are like Microsoft, Lyft, Tableau. Okay. So I thought that was traditional. So I was really intrigued that a gym wanted to talk with us. And they said, well, look, just like everyone else, we have a hard time finding great people and then we want to keep them engaged once we find them. And it was such a great opportunity to work with them. And then two weeks ago, we actually, they invited our whole staff. They closed down one of their gyms to go work out with them. And Paul is a really fit guy. I'll call him Iron Man. And here he's like, Hey, I'll work out with you. And I'm like, I have to admit, I, was, I feel like I'm in decent shape, but I was really intimidated. Here's Paul's like, oh, maybe you should get a little bit more uh, pull on the rows because I don't really row And But it was just really great. And that memory sticks out to me is because we gave them a promise of how we were going to help them. And we were making enough progress as a partner that they wanted us to invite us in to walk through their about some of their challenges and limitations because they don't work in a traditional office environment. And it's that partnership that really gets me excited is that, you know, they were able to give us something, which is money and trust, and we are able to give them a solution and trust back. So that always makes me happy when I can look my client in the eye and actually, especially when they invite us into their home.
0: Oh, well, that is a lovely story. So, again, triggers multiple faults in my mind. One of those is, as you sit back, because I want to ask you some questions, because I believe you have a very different, distinct, unique vantage point from which to kind of see what's happening in the world of, you know, employee experience, employee engagement. In a minute, I'll ask you the distinction of those words. But what are some of the common characteristics you see in the leadership of the companies flourishing in their partnership with Tiny Pulse.
1: Yeah. So I think a couple stand out. One, which I think people would say is common sense. The other one was a little bit out of left field for me. So one is the the importance of recognition. And people say like, you know, uh, David, you know, I high five people in the corridor, right? And yes, you may do that. But In this day and age where it's so easy and people have their phones and their laptops is we wanted to make sure that, you know, give people whatever you use, tiny pulse or something else, but make them, there are multiple avenues of making recognition very easy. And one of the things I always look at is, well, are my managers giving recognition, right? You talk about being grateful. Recognition is being grateful. So I always say, start your day with gratefulness. It triggers your mind, wires your mind very positively. And then it will trickle down throughout your organization. And then the second thing that I thought was really interesting is when we did our first annual survey, we looked at all of our client data anonymized and we looked for trends. And then one thing came out that was so out of left field that I actually hired another data scientist to review the first data scientist's work because I was like, really? And that one of the biggest drivers of how happy employees say they are is how transparent do they believe management is, right? The perception of management transparency. So to put it in context, recognition and transparency are by and large free. Mm-hmm. So I think about for myself and our leadership here is how transparent are we? And how can we strive to be more transparent? So for example, I will have my board presentation and I'll share our board slides. And people are like, wow, you share that? I'm like, yeah, we share how much money we have in the bank, how much money we're burning, how much money we're making, but just trying to be super transparent about that whole process. So one of the things I challenge leaders is, you know, given your role, how can we be more transparent or at least try to increase that level of transparency? Hmm.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. And I agree with you. That is a left field. That's not the obvious answer that you would think that would come out of this. So I know something about you, but tell me, what's a way, how do you practice this forum for transparency then? I mean, you don't just put that on the internet for anybody to see, but what are some of the practices you do with Tiny Pulse? And do you call them employees, team members? What do you call the Tiny Pulse family?
1: Yeah. I mean, we usually call them tiny pulsers, but they could be colleagues or uh, employees or friends, uh, people. The designation is a little bit less important that then we're on the journey together. In terms of like, you know, how we practice transparency, right? One of the areas is, you know, I want every month, I like to write a recap of what happened in the past month, where I give my take from a CEO's perspective of what happened. And, you know, I just say like, hey, you know, the things I share with you are for your eyes only. And that's it. And we've never had any issues with that. And then in our town halls, which happen once a quarter after our quarterly board meeting, you know, I'll just project the slides and take questions from people. And yes, there's sensitive information that I definitely would not want out in the public domain, but we've never had any issues regarding that as well.
0: Yeah. So these town halls, those are high priority for you, are they not?
1: Yes, in particular, because we have two offices. We have one in Seattle, which is about half the company, about 50 people, and one in Saigon in Vietnam, which is another 50 people, half of it. And I always think that you know, they're not, they are fully employed by tiny pulse and we want to treat them equally. So it's very important for me to have one company and one culture. And we, so we time-sync it four times, where we try as much as possible to time-sync it where we do it together. And I always try to fly out as well four times a year.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. You shared some highlights, a personal milestone. Would you be willing to share what my friend Gary Ridge from the WD-40 company labeled learning moments, something that didn't turn out quite the way you had expected along the journey?
1: Yeah. You know, I think think in the vein of transparency, one of the things that, you know, I struggle with you know, in a tight economy where there's uh, turnover, is when people ask why. And generally, my rule of thumb is: well, it's that person's personal life and their relation. They, it could have been voluntary, or it could have been involuntary, but I just can't share that. And because we're so transparent, I think it comes off like are we hiding something? And you know, I've talked to a lot of CEOs about that, and they just said, well, you know, you just have to draw the line in the sand because it would be almost unethical to be like, Oh, well, here's our HR file, like you wouldn't want that done to you as well. So that's something I actually struggle with, especially if they're more high profile folks is like, well, I can say as much as I can. And I can say, well, you can go talk to that person themselves. But me as a leader, you know, I just can't share the good, the bad, the ugly, the positive, the excitement, or the disappointment. So that's something that I you know, definitely struggle with is how do we try to balance transparency, especially with those departures? Wow,
0: that is a challenging issue. Along this vein, Gary Ridge shared something they do that I just love. And again, it's one of these internal only things like you're talking about. They do a series, and I'm not sure the frequency of it, but they do a thing. What were we thinking? Yeah. Um, Where Mm -hmm. rather than burying, you know, so many companies, we had this big project we were going to do. Well, whatever happened to that project? You know, nobody ever hears about it again. And people wonder, well, they do a what were we thinking session Mm -hmm. and and do a postmortem on something that didn't go the way they were hoping. And what did we learn from this? And I just see that's such a healthy approach rather than just burying mistakes and having this boneyard of graves, you know, where we just hope nobody ever comes and hears about that again.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree. I think in the engineering world, they say that the retrospective of what happened in that past development cycle is the most important part. Because regardless if we won, broke even or lost... Why, what happened and how can we get better? And, you know, I just had that today is when we've been reviewing this new sales approach is I said, hey, folks, time out, you know, that like we've been you know doing this for the whole week. Today's Friday, instead of just diving in and reviewing again, let's just talk about what do we learn this week? and yeah. What are we gonna do differently as we coach next week? And so that we can step back and see the forest from the trees.
0: Yeah, okay. And you were talking about recognition. There is a feature in Tiny Pulse. Yeah. What do you call it? I can't remember.
1: It's called Cheers for Peers.
0: Yeah, Cheers for Peers. Talk about that and how you use Cheers for Peers, both personally and then what happens with it in the company.
1: Mm. And a lot of people don't know this. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about how it got sparked in my mind. Okay. When I was developing, I shouldn't say when I, when me and one developer, it's not like a big company, we're developing Tiny Pulse. It was just about you could ask one question. And you'd have a virtual suggestion box. But that night I was sleeping and, you know, sometimes people get these aha moments, either in bed or in shower or their run. And I had this aha moment and I don't know why, but I remember interviews when they talked about veterans coming back from war. Yeah. And they would say like, hey, Kevin, you know, why would you risk your life? Is it God, country, queen, whatever, right? And invariably the answer cross-culture is I did it for the person next to me, Mm. right? I didn't want to let these people down who are my comrades and my buddies in arms. So that became like, I'm like, wow, you know, maybe people do. And that's reflected also in other organizations, not just the military organization, but in workplaces. So that's why it was cheers for peers. It wasn't just kudos or recognition, but it's really, you know, also meant for horizontal and upward recognition, And then in terms of how I use it personally, Is you know one of the things that I try to do, and you know this is always something is I want to be really intentional in in terms of how I start the day, own the morning, own the day, right? And so, in terms of, and I know the brain can get wired to be more positive in nature by giving gratitude. Hence, I was giving gratitude, you know, my journal on that flight. So I try to think of well, what are three things that I can give people recognition on? And when I think about recognition, I don't just say "great job, Kevin." I want to say, you know, what was it? I'm giving you recognition. What's the significance or impact of what you did? And then how did it make me feel? So I think those are the three triangles of you know being very expressive and thoughtful about it. And then in our company, a couple of things. If you're a manager, I'll just look at all the cheers givers. And I just expect that our managers are going to be leading the pack and setting the example. That's number one, because it trickles down. And then number two, we review our tiny pulses and what we call our meeting pulse, meeting every other week. And then we have rotating people who are what we call cheer selectors. And then they get to go and decide, pick three cheers that they will share in front of everyone that best embody the company values And then then out of the three, they'll just pick one winner. And then that winner gets to go up to the stage and they press a button. We have a little software program that automates like randomly. And then whoever that program picks, if they're present, those two get to go to lunch on the company's dime. Wow. So the reason why, and I learned that from another client, I'm like, that's a great idea. I'm going to borrow that is because one, because it's random, people don't feel the need to game the system and the prize amount is very small. But what it does is it creates these informal bridges across organizations. I remember an intern won and when she chose me or she she got paired with me and she was pretty reserved. There's no way she would have asked, to go out to lunch with me, but we went and got Thai food that still, I still remember it, And he had a really great chat. So, that's a little bit about how I use it and how we as an organization try to encourage it because we believe it's so beneficial.
0: Okay. Now, again, I've never been to tiny pulse offices. I can't wait to come and visit, but I believe I've heard this, that the cheers for peers also display throughout the company?
1: Yeah. So, we have what we call a cheer speed and a lot... Because you know, TVs are pretty inexpensive these days. So we have and our clients do as well. Actually it was a client who suggested this is they're like, hey, we want to highlight all the great things people are doing. So you know we have Slack and Teams integration, but you know, people will have it in their break room, in their walls when people walk in and they want to say, look, a lot of people say they give recognition, they care about it, but look, we really do that. And look at all this organic recognition that people are giving to each other here at an organization that uses tiny pulse, which of course we do as well.
0: Yeah, I love that, David. You know, this organic, real-time visibility celebration, those aren't filtered. There's not an editor saying what cheers will we display, Mm -hmm. but just this feed of cheers for peers. So thanks for sharing that. I didn't know all of the story behind cheers for peers. And the other thing that I think is true, because I think I've experienced it, you can give a cheer for a peer outside the company.
1: Yes. So that wasn't the original intent, but we just saw people using it. We're like, what? Why are these going outside? Because people just find, you know, people know they should get recognition. But, you know, we make it easy. You can do it on your phone, your computer. You can add a little Giphy or something and you can give it to other folks. Like after I worked out with the Orange Theory fitness team, I went in and gave every one of them a very individualized cheer for like the CEO kind of intimidating me to the, the trainer who encouraged me. Right. And uh, I just wanted them to know that, hey, you brightened up my day and I just want you to know how I felt about that.
0: Wow. wow! So let's talk about that. This whole impact of feeling, because you said that back to the triangle, how mm-hmm. it made me feel. Yeah. Why are feelings important? in the employee experience, and important to recognize.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think this is something that I'm challenged with, right, which is, and so when I talk to my own coach about this, you know, he's like, you know, David, you may or may not agree with that other person's point of view, but their feeling is how they feel, and your feeling is how you feel. But you can and you should validate their feeling, and that doesn't validate that you agree with their position, but you validate the feeling, like they are feeling crummy. Well, you could feel crummy, but you know it doesn't matter what happened. So I think you know that that's why it's very important for me to you know get it hopefully a little bit better, a little bit better every day as a leader is you know one of the things I'm working on is just first asking them, well, how do you feel about this, and then validating that feeling before I go into my entrepreneur problem solving mode, or even asking is like, man, that's a tough and I resonate with that. Do you want me to just listen a little bit more, Kevin? Or do you want me to like talk about how we can address that? And sometimes people don't want to talk about how they're not ready yet. So I think that's why I'm trying to tune in even more to it because my analytical nature historically takes over and sometimes it's detrimental.
0: Wow. Okay. I want to come back to listening, but I think I want to frame that in the value. So I was on the website the other day Mm And I saw these seven values that are the foundation of Tiny Pulse. Walk us through those, if you will. And then, again, I want to give you a high five for the way you integrate and inculcate values into the organization. So, And it's not just a word cloud, right? It's not just lip service to these values. So walk us through those, if you will
1: yeah so when I was starting tiny pulse I wanted to be very intentional about values and why sorry for interrupting but I just gotta ask because I think that I didn't do a great job at my first couple of startups and there were people who would drain me of energy mm. I'm like but that's on me you know I started this organization and if I don't have a set of values for people to grade themselves against it's not their fault it's my fault right and so I need to say, like, hey, you know, if we want people who are humble, well, then people who aren't humble won't be attractive. We want people who are type A, well, we're going to try type A or whatever it is. So what I did during and after my career occasion, so to be very intentional, I got a piece of paper and I literally wrote down the names of people who I really enjoyed working with and who gave me a lot of energy. And then by it, I wrote, well, why? Well, yeah, why does Kevin give me energy? Well, he's very positive. Or, you know, and then I got another sheet of paper and I said, Who are the people who really drain me as a person at my oriented where I couldn't be present? And why do they do that? And then I wrote got a third sheet of paper and I just wrote down at the very top draft proposed values. And I put some values down and I overlay that on the first sheet of paper. I said, Does it enable this first set of people to flourish? And on the second sheet of paper is, does it enable these people to self-select out? Just because they don't fit with what these values are, they can fit marvelously with other ones, but let's just be upfront about it. And of course the answer at the first draft was no. So I rinsed and repeat and I kept iterating against that before we got to the seven values that just to help people memorize their delight, many it's like delight customers. And you know, that's the first one, but it's not just delight external customers it's also internal customers. So that's how it came about to those values. And as Tony Shea says in his book, you know, if you're not willing to hire and fire by values, they're just cultural points, which is fine, but you really have to be able to hire and fire based upon those.
0: Okay. First off, I'm a little slow. You know, I went to public school in the South. I didn't catch that they spelled delight. <laughs> when I look through them. So, I love this delight. Walk us through the alphabet there of delight. And thanks for sharing that story because David, I mean, wow, this is a takeaway for you listening. If you've not articulated values yet in your organization, do this exercise. Draw a sheet of paper. Who are the people you want? Who are the people on your team or on your team in the past that brought energy and why? Yeah. And what were the values behind that? Who are yeah. the people that drain you and why? And what are the values? That's a beautiful approach to value. So thank you for sharing that. I'm going to use that as an exercise with clients in the future. So yeah, I, know. I, I think it's been really
1: helpful when I share it with other folks. And then the acronym delight, you know, the first one is delight customers. And it's not just external customers. It's internal. Because if we can't delight each other, there's no way we're going to be able to delight externally. So, right, right.
0: True point, you know, doing work with customer experience, the way you have great customer experience is if you provide great employee experience, because the employee can never give the customer what they've not received themselves.
1: Exactly. So the E is elect and spread positivity. And I tell people every day you walk through that door at tiny pulse, we have a choice. You can be positive, negative or neutral. But here's the kicker, Kevin. It's a free choice. I don't say like, hey, Kevin, wipe that smile off your face unless you give me 10 bucks, right? It's a free choice. And I know that some times people have bad days and good days, but on the balance, let's be positive and let's spread that to our coworkers because who doesn't want to work in a positive environment? So that's right. what you need to like. Awesome. The L is lead with solutions and embrace change. So my first real job at Anderson Consulting, the managing partner, her name is Mary Club. She's like, you can come into my office anytime. You can complain about anything, but you cannot leave my office unless you tell me at least a couple of suggested solutions to what you just shared. Because you don't drop that bag of doo-doo on my desk. You've probably been thinking about it and saying like, this is so weird. Why do we do it this way? Why don't we do it this way? Well, at least start that conversation. So leave with a solution and embrace change as a company grows. The I is to improve communications by being direct and transparent. So instead of you know me trying to brain read people, just tell me what you feel. You know, let's just commit to each other to be as uh, transparent and as forthright as possible. The G is to go the extra mile with passion. And the thing about a software company is, right when we started, within you know a week or two, we were global in quotes, like we have one customer in Australia, maybe one in New Zealand, but you know, we were going to get on calls to help support them and for them to be successful. And we're going to do it anyway. So why not be really passionate about it? Because I feel like they can feel the vibration in our email that when we set, when we go back and forth with them. And of course, when we're on calls or video calls with them is, you know, be passionate about what you're doing because we're doing with people, which is super hard, but also very rewarding. The age is around holding oneself accountable. So, when I was on my career occasion, I interviewed a great entrepreneur in Korea. He told me this passage. He said, David, I don't like to make rules for the minority that police the majority. I don't want to make rules for the minority that police the majority. At that time, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, what does that even mean? And later on, I thought more about it. Is sometimes, like, in an organization, maybe we have a couple people who abuse like a lunch break or something. Then we have to say a rule like all lunch breaks are from this time to that time. Well, what happens to the mother or father who needs to pick their kids early because they're sick. Right. And then you have these rules that end up policing everyone. So now I'm just like, no, hold yourself accountable and you have big accountability and then you'll have big freedom. And you know, let's try to, on the balance, trust in the good nature of people and minimize those rules. And then the last one, The T is just the treasure, the culture and freedom we have. And I tell people like, the day you start, there'll be hundreds of other people who will start after you. And they're going to look to you and your cues about how they should act and the norms. So hold yourself accountable and treasure it. And then also know that there'll be a day where we may not be able to be in an office together because we're so large. And that's going to be a different stage that we'll have to treasure. But this stage is also very Mm. subtle.
0: So I want to give a shout out to three folks that I've interacted with, with your organization lately that I just see championing these values. You know, and that's Benjamin, is who I connected with first. So I was in a conversation with a friend a few weeks ago. I knew Tiny Pulse years ago, you know, when you were starting. And on another podcast, we did a podcast conversation, not with you, but with Kevin about Tiny Pulse, cause I love the idea. And I was in this conversation, like, I've got to reconnect with Tiny Pulse. When that conversation ended, I'd already, before I did anything, Benjamin King had liked something I'd posted on LinkedIn. I'm like, well, that's weird. So I reach out to Benjamin. Benjamin immediately connects me to Tyler. Mm -hmm. And Tyler and I have become good friends since then. And then Tyler set up a demo with Thomas uh, Mm -hmm. Plunkett.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, all of these guys were just exuding All of the values you just expressed. And I didn't know those were the values, but that's why I've I've just got to give the shout out because I saw the values in practice.
1: Well, that's fantastic. And what I'm going to do, I wrote down all three names, is I'm going to take time to give them a cheers and share the what, the significance, and how it made me feel.
0: Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So what's a value you're celebrating that you've seen in action this week?
1: Ooh... Let's see. I think one is around treasuring our culture mm. and freedom is, is you know, we've been going through a lot of changes this year as we've been updating our product lines. And there's just been a lot of moving parts. And the amount of people who have come, and, uh, and I've been doing a lot of traveling, who have came up to me afterwards and just said, what can I do to help? Mm. I'm like, wow, you know, I really, really appreciate that. Because, you know, I know that, You know, in the New York Times, they did that whole obituary study and they said the number one word that came out of obituaries was help. And I'm just so glad that I get to work with these amazing colleagues who recognize, you know, maybe like I might not have to verbalize it, but they recognize my state of mind that's a little bit scattered and they reach out and offer to help, right? Even if I don't take them up on it, Mm. just that offer means a lot to me and makes me feel warm inside. And then it makes me want to work 10 times harder for them as well.
0: Yeah. And I got to tell you, I love the tea that you called out the tea. And I was th- treasuring culture and protecting and preserving freedom of a culture is everybody's responsibility. Yes. It's not the CEO. When I'm working with companies or leadership teams, that to me, that's one of the biggest points. When we all say we are all responsible for the culture we have. Culture isn't David's responsibility for Tiny Pulse. Culture is all of us.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, to that end, you know, I also learned this from that same entrepreneur in Korea is he told me that he takes his values and he puts it right into the job description. And he'll ask people about, you know, how do they embody it and how they feel about it. Because if they're not willing to put their best foot forward when they're applying for a job. You better believe things are going to be different once they have the job. So that's one of the best practices we do. As I said, look, as a hiring manager, you can personalize the job description how you would like, but one area you cannot compromise is you have to put our values in there and make sure that people want to self-select in because if they don't, that's okay. But the worst thing is they think it's something different and they come and then there's a clash. And that's on us because we weren't as transparent. So, let's just be extra transparent and putting it out there at the beginning.
0: Okay. You just said something that was incredibly tweetable. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) I love that. Personalize, don't compromise, right? Mm -hmm. Personalize what you need in an employee, but don't compromise what's critical to the company. Wow. Mm -hmm. Love that, David. I'm watching. Our time's going to get away from us before I want it to. A couple of things I want to go back to before we leave. One of these you started with, the hard stuff is the soft stuff. Why is that? Why do we struggle? Why do business leaders struggle so much with the soft stuff?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that one, we're just dealing with people, right? Like I wish I always had an A plus at home and I wish I always had an A plus at (laughs) work. you my life. That's not the case. And I'm just trying to get a little bit better, a little bit better. And then once, you know, I feel like I've got a little bit of mastery, things change, which we're doing with people. So I think that's just the inherent nature of it. And But that's also what makes it rewarding is that it's not a finish line, a race that has a finish line. We're just competing against ourselves. Like, do we have the self-awareness? Are we getting the tools of the self-awareness to just get a little bit better? And I know that the leaders I respect, there's a big gap between their leadership style and mine. Sometimes I'll ask myself, what would Scott Dorsey do in this example, right? And to push myself to get a little bit better. So I think, you know, that there, you know, that's just one thing that's just when dealing with people, it's just really challenging. It will always be the price of admission for someone who wants to manage leaders and, and lead people.
0: But because it's hard doesn't mean it's less important.
1: No, not at all. I mean, I think it's the most important is to, yeah. to find great people and motivate and inspire them.
0: Okay. I've got to circle back to something else you said in the beginning. On your career-cation, you talked about how some of this came to you, how the dots started connecting, the patterns were visible when you were still and quiet. hmm Okay. That's easier to do on a careercation than it is now. So how do you, is there something you do to try to work in some quiet time, some stillness? Do you have a practice or two to share with us?
1: Yeah. So currently I try, especially at the beginning of the day, is a method where I like to, when I get up, I don't check my phone. Is The first thing I like to do is I like to sit quietly and meditate with Headspace or the New York Times Meditation Guide and just to slow down. The second thing I like to do is read positive thoughts. Either I will give cheers or right now I've been reading, rereading Chicken soup for the soul, and you know just all those positive stories, right? And just showing how much I have to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And the Third thing is you know <laughs> trying to spend a little bit of time of journaling. So the whole you know those three things will take me maybe about up to thirty minutes, is to you know how I want to start my day. So I think that's very important for me. And then an exercise that. You know, my board member says, it's like, David, take your pie chart of time where it is today. And you may think it's one thing, but really cooperate either with your EA or your calendar, because that's usually the source of truth. And then say, well, where do you want your pie chart to be? And I guarantee you my pie chart is not one-on-one sync. So what I am challenging myself to do is block out big chunks of my calendar to reflect what I want to do. So even though you know I know I should be doing that, I haven't been doing a good of a job on that front. But I think that's definitely the direction I want to go is like, one is start the morning in a very positive note. Yes. And then two is to be very structured, intentional about my day. And mm-hmm. I think that structure sets me free.
0: Wow. Structure sets you free. David, I want to thank you for the transparency with which you're talking through so many of these things and talking about the ideal, the aspiration that you have, and then the challenges with the calendar of not being the ideal. Before we wrap this up, is there something, well, I want to ask you two things. One, for somebody that's early on this journey of saying, we really want to make our workplace a delight. We want to value our employees at a greater level, just encourage somebody that wherever they're at on that journey, or especially those that are kind of early phases.
1: <laughs> well, you know, one thing that sticks out at me is that I believe the world is getting smaller and that the newer folks entering the workforce, they have a different set of ideals around corporate social responsibility. And all the research I've done, and which just by total coincidence, just lines up with, you know, when I started Tiny Pulse, which was that we were going to donate 1% of our Product to nonprofits, one percent of our time to the local community we're fortunate to be a part of, and one percent of our profits to nonprofit. And the one percent time, I think, is one thing that I want to share with folks is that if a company organization shuts down their office once a quarter, you hit one percent. And so we do that both in Saigon and Seattle. Next week we're going to go to a food bank and volunteer a time. And there's something magical that happens because at work there's a hierarchy, right? David is the founder, but when we're stacking beans it doesn't matter. Like, David, go get that freaking bag of beans. I'm like, okay. Right. Like I'm just a part of it, but it also sparks these different interactions that are really great and employees care about it. You know, one of the reasons, number one thing I asked people was like, why are you interested in working at Tiny Pulse? Oh, I write about your values or how you folks give back. And that's just so easy. It doesn't, even if you're not the CEO and your organization is a little bit more rigid, just how about on a Saturday or after work, hey, let's volunteer together. Just getting that habit together, I think it's very important to think about us as an organization or us as like-minded people. How do we give back to the local community and to make it better?
0: Wow, I love that. I had no idea that's what you would say. There really is something about getting out of the office and doing something for others that levels the playing field. Like say, hey, David, scrub the toilet. The toilet needs one, you know, here's the brush.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And I think it's also, especially for, you know, we're in the line of business where software, right, where we sit in front of a desk and stare at a screen. Like when we're building houses for Habitat for Humanity or going clean a trail so that the neighborhood can enjoy that or going and we went to the International District here, there was like a whole garden that was you know, basically need a lot of tending to so that the neighbors could actually enjoy it in a a safer way. It was actually really great to get out there and, you know, put on the, basically do something that is much more physical with nature that uh, brings people together.
0: Yeah. All right. So is there something that would allow you to bring this conversation to a fitting close?
1: Yeah, I don't don't know. You know, I've just really enjoyed all the pieces that we talk about. and I, I would say that for folks who are on the, a similar journey that listen to Kevin's podcast because uh, we're not alone and it's a journey and there's going to be highs and lows. We just had a client come in and talk to us. Is like, hey, there's always peaks and valleys, but we have to remember it's the valleys that we learn the most so that we mm-hmm. can ascend higher peaks together. So, you know, I know that I'm very critical of myself and I carry a lot of that, you know, in my shoulders, both physically and <laughs> mentally, but it's also like, wow, you know, there's a greater group of people who are doing this and it's a process. It mm-hmm. takes time, and there's going to be highs and lows.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. David, where can people learn more and talk a little bit before we go, resources? I mean, there's a variety of resources that you all have generously created to share.
1: Yeah, so, you know, one, if they want to read about the lessons I learned from best practices from leaders around the world, you know, they can go to careercation.com and it's just all online for free. Two is, you're right, you know, one of the things that we do is we take a lot of the the data that we get from our clients and we group it together in an anonymized way and we share themes with people. And so folks are small and they do survey questions. You know, one of the banes of when I did it myself is I'd ask my people, how happy are you? And I get a response. I I didn't know if that's good or bad in absence of a benchmark. So there's data points around there that people can start directionally knowing which is where they're going. And, you know, Tyler and the team here, they do an excellent job of talking to customers and generating case studies because they know that they're also in the business of paying it forward and learning from each other as well.
0: Hmm. And then TinyCon, uh, one word about that before we go?
1: Yeah, so TinyCon is our conference for people who believe in how we do. So they're customers and they're also thought leaders and just prospects. And we do that every year in September. And this year will be you know downtown in Seattle again plug for Seattle. it's beautiful there in the summer when it's not raining. And we just have amazing speakers. Kind of like last year we had Howard Bihar, who was, you know, one of the H2Os of a, a Starbucks and basically that cultural heartbeat and it's all just about learning and connecting with other people, regardless if you use Tiny Pulse or you don't. There are best practices and just amazing practitioners who are trying to figure it out together.
0: Wow. So thank you so much for joining us and contributing to this conversation.
1: My pleasure. It's been awesome. And you bring up a lot of really great memories and then also remind me of why I'm on this journey to begin with.
0: Well, David, that was fun and actually quite stimulating for me. Thanks so much for joining us. It's always amazing to me to hear what you hear in the conversations I host here and what resonates with you. I love that when I asked David, what is something you're grateful for now? What he shared was quite personal. And actually, I want to read you a line from an email that David sent shortly after we completed the conversation. Here's what he wrote. Thanks so much for starting my Friday off to such a positive start by thinking of what I'm grateful for. Such a small gesture with such deep ripples, end quote. Well, there's another wisdom bomb for you, as one listener calls some of these moments on the podcast. Such a small gesture with such deep ripples. Please, please, please do not underestimate the power of gratitude. Now, whether you know it or not, we've entered a new era of work. And as David put it, the hard things at work are the soft things. So if you've hung around here for a while, you know that what other people call soft skills, I actually think of and call superpowers because that's what they are in this era of humans first, Human-centered, or as our friend Renee Smith calls it, making work more human. In this era, soft skills are superpowers. Now, a bright spot in the conversation with David for me was the process David shared of how he used to define the values for Tiny Pulse. This was not an esoteric exercise, and it was not an exercise in futility. David looked the people he had worked with and the people on the team that made two lists, people that energized him and people that drained him. And what were the values embraced and exhibited by the energizers? Values do energize and values mobilize your team to heroic action. So I love how values surfaced in this conversation. And then I I love this, finally, as a software company, that there is no finish line for Tiny Pulse. There's simply a desire to make it better today than it was yesterday. And you know, that's a great way to live life, too. There is a finish line in life. Don't know when yours is, don't know when mine is. But let's make an effort to make it better today than it was yesterday. So how about you? What's rolling through your mind after listening to this conversation? Please share it with me. You can engage on social media. You can email me, kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com, or you can call me, 678-744-5111. Until next week, I encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode
0: of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Are you wanting to grow as a Human's First Leader and connect in meaningful conversation with other Human's First Leaders? Join the Human's First Book Club, where they dive deep into a book a month and engage the authors in
1: conversation. Go to humansfirstbookclub.com.